Hello and welcome to the Forge Church Catch-Up Podcast. We're delighted that you have chosen to click play on this podcast. Each Sunday, our hope and prayer is to provide practical teaching directed by God that ties into everyday life. We hope today's talk encourages you. Hey Siri, how late is too late to tell Dave I don't want to marry him? What? Are you serious? You're on your own with this one. Hey, everybody. Hello, everybody, indeed. Um, I was about to say, hey, Siri, but that would have been the wrong word, wouldn't it? So, hey, everybody. Uh, As Helen said, we are in a brand new series. Um, Hey, Siri, welcome if you're watching online. Really great that you're here as well. You've chosen a brilliant Sunday to come uh, back in September. September is a brilliant uh, month, isn't it, to start asking some questions, I think, which is why I think this is going to be a brilliant series for us as we start. It's a brilliant um, uh, month to start asking questions. I imagine that some of you have been asking today, why is it only now in September that the sun has started to shine? Um, Maybe Maybe you're a teacher. Uh, Give us a cheer if you're a teacher. Uh, Give us a cheer if you're looking forward to going back to school. That's what I thought. Uh, Slightly different to the answers that parents tend to give. But if you're a teacher, uh, or maybe if you're a parent even, if maybe if you're a parent, you've got a child, uh, and you might be asking the question, what do you mean that you've got homework that you were supposed to have been doing over the holidays? Uh, Maybe you've been asking the question, how can it be that your shoes um, are too small, and how can it be that your feet can grow so much in just such a short space of time? Maybe now it's hit September, some of you or some people that you know might be asking the question, how many nights is it until Christmas? Any people? 125. 125. (laughs) Somebody knows. I knew there'd be one person. But the way we've started to ask questions and look at questions has really revolutionized probably over the last 30 years. There'll be some people here who will be able to remember a time where if you wanted to find out the answer to something, what you would have to do is you'd have to go to an expert, you'd have to go to a library, you'd have to read a book, or you'd just have to put up with wondering a little bit. A little bit later on, someone invented the internet and some guy invented a thing called Google and you could type in any question you want. There'd be a whole array of different answers. That's moved on a little bit further since then. We have these brilliant gadgets called Siri or Alexa or Cortana or whatever your persuasion is. Uh, And you can ask your virtual assistant at home or on your phone and it will give you an immediate answer. So if you're not familiar with this, um, I've connected my phone up to the screen, so I'm hoping this works, uh, and we'll find out uh, sort of what this looks like. So if I said, um, hey Siri, tell me what the weather's like in Suffolk at the moment. It should. It's currently clear and 15 degrees in Suffolk. Expect light cloudy afternoon. Today's high will be 18 degrees and the low will be 13 degrees. Pretty cool. And so if I were to uh, ask it a maths question, so if I said, hey Siri, what's 74 times 1,872? See if it does it. Here we go. 74 times 1,800. And you get the idea. If you're good at maths, you'll be able to know that that's probably the right answer. But let's try something a little bit harder. Hey Siri, can you tell me a little bit about the Forge Community Church? The Forge Community Church in Suffolk meets in three different locations, in Debenham, Thurston and I. They are a church that looks to help people find and follow Jesus. A little known fact is that when Ryan Reynolds goes into the hairdressers, he shows his hairdresser a picture of Ben Lasky so that he can look more like him. It's true. (laughs) Siri said, it's true. Here's another one. Hey Siri, can you tell me a little bit about the Debenham location leader? 
Helen Bolton, also known as the Suffolk Wonder Woman, is the location leader at the Forge in Debenham. She is the mother to Jack and Zoe, and she has recently come back from a trip to Zambia. Would you like me to tell you more such as her age and weight? No? It knows? Siri could give us a whole bunch of informative answers to informative questions. The problem comes, though, when it comes to questions that don't need as much information as much as they do wisdom. What do we do with the questions of life that actually need a little bit more substance to them? We're going to be looking at the series, hey Siri, we're going to be looking at the uh, questions which Siri really can't answer. In fact, we're going to be traveling through a letter that was written a couple of thousand years ago that stood the test of time, written by a man called James, uh, who gives us some wise principles to some difficult questions. And the difficult question we're going to ask today is this, why does life stink sometimes? Because that's what Siri says. That's literally what Siri says. I recorded it. It says, I'm sorry. It doesn't even say I'm sorry. It just says, I don't know. I'm sorry. What do you do when life stinks sometimes? What do you do when the unget-throughable just feels unget-throughable? Well, there's a philosopher who uh, gave a brilliant answer to this, and I think kicks, off, uh, kicks us off in the right direction, when he said this. There's a guy called Paul Tillich, and he says this. Suffering takes people beneath the busyness of life and reminds them, that they are not who they thought they were. Suffering takes you beneath the, the busyness of life and reminds you that you are not who you maybe thought you were. I mean, have you ever had a giant in your life that is just so big? One of those catastrophes in life uh, that just makes you think, oh my word, what is going on? That you just forget the day of the week. It just becomes all-consuming. The things that sort of wound you up the day before or felt like a big deal just sort of pale in comparison. Every day just feels like the day before it. You don't know how you're going to get through it. You need people on each side. You don't know how you're going to get through. And it just becomes that you're beneath the busyness of life. And you find things within you. You find things and a capacity within you that you never even realized was there. When you speak to people who go through moments like this, they will often say things like, I never realized that I was capable of whatever. I never realized that I had the strength to whatever. These are some of the things that they say. I found a strength that I never thought I had. I didn't know how I managed to get through that. I never realized I was able to do that. Maybe it's a negative thing, and they'll say along the lines of, you just don't realize what you're capable of until you find yourself in that situation. I can't believe I did that. It's true that when suffering happens or a big event, a moment of stress happens, it brings you beneath the busyness of life, and it reveals to you something about you that you never really thought possible. And this principle is brilliant, and I think this principle is true from Paul Tillich. What's interesting about it is that it's not really a new principle. In fact, 2,000 years ago, a letter was written by this man called James, in which we're going to be looking at, which actually really sums up this principle well. James was the brother of Jesus, and we're going to look at that a little bit in a moment. Um, but there's a whole bunch of fascinating things about James. If you're somebody who questions faith or is exploring faith, James should be fascinating to you. Because James was Jesus' brother, there's no real account of James following Jesus all that much within the Gospels, although he is mentioned, which are the accounts of Jesus' life that were written by four different people you can find in the library that you call the Bible. 
But later on, after the claims of this death and resurrection, James seems to change his tune a little bit. And he writes a letter to a group of people, giving them some wise information around some difficult questions, such as the one we're looking at today. And so this is the start of James's letter. He says this, um, this letter is from James, a slave of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm writing to the 12 tribes of Jewish believers scattered abroad. Greetings. Hello. Hey, how's it going? Notice what he calls Jesus. This should be interesting to you because if you've got siblings, let me ask you something. And we've said this before at the Forge and asked this before at the Forge. If you've got siblings, what would they have to do to convince you that they were the son of God? Probably predict their own death and resurrection and then go through with it. His brother had become his Lord. And so what he does is he writes to these people saying, first and foremost, there was an event that happened. Jesus is real. I believe. Point number one. There we are. Jesus is real. I believe. There was an event that happened. I believe it. He did die. He did rise again. And now I'm going to be writing to you, telling you what you should do as a result. And what you'd expect at this point, perhaps... What you'd expect is James to then go into why he believes or what you have to do in order to believe uh, or the details of the crucifixion or something like that. What it was like when he saw Jesus again for the first time, some of the loss that perhaps he experienced. What James does is interesting because it's not that at all. The point he makes after the big point, just perhaps not what you'd expect. It's this. He says this, dear brothers and sisters, When troubles of any kind come your way, consider an opportunity for pure or great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. From when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Jesus is real. I believe in him. What happened, happened. Something you should know is that the time when this is going to be showing the most is not going to be during the comfortable times. They are good times. They are times where we can thank God. But the times in which suffering occurs are going to be the time in which your faith is going to grow the most. It's going to be that time where the, uh, the death and resurrection of Jesus is going to become more real for you in a profound, almost unexplainable, different way. Paul Tillich was right. It's in the moments of suffering that you go underneath the busyness of life and you find something within you that God planted there all along. It's your endurance that gives you the chance to grow. This is a true principle. In fact, it's not just a true principle of faith. I also think this is a true principle in a whole bunch of different areas. One of the areas that um, I've I've sort of seen with this uh, is from a guy called Ramses Ramses Ankerson. Ramses Ankerson. If I pronounce that wrong, someone will know, and I'm sure they'll tell me afterwards. Ramses Ankerson. He wrote a book called The Goldmine Effect back in 2012. And what he wanted to do is he set out on a study to find out um, why it was that when it comes to sports and when it comes to athletics, why are there these gold mines of success? Like places that just seem to produce and produce and produce um, star after star after star uh, and success story after success story after success story. So, for example, why is it uh, that out of the 500 top female golfers, um, a massive proportion of them, 137 I think, uh, are all South Korean? Why is it that when you go and find the best middle distance runners that consistently win the Olympics or consistently win the World Championships time and time again all come from Ethiopia, or more specifically, a village in Ethiopia? Like, that just doesn't make sense. Why is it just that village? 
And so as part of his journey, Ramses Ankerson, he goes away to Jamaica uh, to the world-renowned Kingston Town Athletics Centre. And so he goes there expecting to see and find out why is it that this centre seems to consistently produce the best athletes, the best 100-metre stars that consistently win the gold medals time and time again. So he gets in his taxi, he drives, uh, he gets driven to uh, Kingstown Athletics Centre, and as he gets out, he wonders if he's in the wrong place. Because as he steps out, there's sort of some rusty gates. He sort of gets there really early in the morning because that's when the coach asked him to come. So it's sort of the sun's still coming up. He comes in... And you would expect to see a state-of-the-art athletics track, like a beautifully laid-out one. You'd expect to see all of the equipment uh, that you would expect to see at one of these centres. You'd expect to see coaches there, well-built, uh, ready to be showing everybody what they're supposed to be doing. You'd expect to see physiotherapists and nutritionists, all the things that the top athletics people get. But when he walked in, it was this dusty dirt track, not even a real athletics track. And he sees some whistles, and he sees some cones and stopwatches. And from the corner of his, his eye, he sees this really big guy, incredibly overweight guy, a guy called Stephen Francis, who sits down on his chair and puts a whistle in his mouth. So Ramses goes up to this athletics coach, and he says, do you know where Stephen Francis, the coach of this athletic center, is? And he says, you're looking at him. And he just thinks, how can this be the guy that trains all these amazing athletes? And so he asks the question. He says, I, this is just not what I was expecting. This just can't be the place that produces uh, the Hussein Bolts and the rest of it uh, from, uh, from Jamaica. Where, you know, how can this be? And this coach replies like this. I think this is fascinating. He says, a performance environment should not be designed for comfort, but for hard work. It has to show people that the road to success is long and uncomfortable. If I may be so bold, I think the journey of faith is very similar. The performance environment for success in faith is not necessarily one designed of comfort that we also naturally try and get drawn to, but it's actually one of hard work. It's actually one often of suffering, and it's long, and it's uncomfortable. I think a great example of this principle, again, is right here. Just for a moment, look to your left and look to your right. This church... The Forge Community Church, genuinely, is a perfect example of what can happen when someone decides to endure through times of immense suffering. Many of you would have heard this story before, and um, Steve's really graciously allowed me to share some of this story. Uh, some of you are part of this story even, but this church started back in 1992 with Steve and his wife, Sarah. Um, uh, was launched, they had three brilliant kids, I'm living with Sam at the moment, um, uh, and uh, it, was, uh, it was a few years after this uh, in which Sarah was given the news that she had cancer. Despite the prayers and despite the time and despite the tears and despite the longing, things didn't play out how people and Christians might think it would play out, and Sarah died. Now, when we look at someone like Steve, and those of you who know Steve, um, uh, I imagine would have as much admiration for him as I do as well. Um, thanks for the pay rise. Um, <laughs> you can know that actually there is nobody else who would have had as much permission to walk away as him. There's nobody else who would have as much reason just to say, that's enough. Or now it's somebody else's turn. Or maybe this isn't really what should have happened. And yet, it was through endurance 
that kept Steve going. It was the people that got around him. It was his trust in God. And it was his refusal to walk away from the problem, but to walk into the problem that God then revealed himself again. And now you look at a forged location, you look at the Forge Community Church with three different sites across Suffolk looking to help people um, uh, find and follow Jesus through being church communities that unchurched people love to be part of. It's our endurance that allows our suffering to become worthwhile. Paul Tillich was right, but James got it right first. James got it right first. So what do we do? How can you become someone who can truly uh, follow God when life sometimes stinks? Well, psychologists would suggest there's three things that happen when you uh, uh, walk into an incredibly stressful environment. They would say that you sometimes freeze, sometimes uh, you embrace some flight, and sometimes you fight. So what's that to say is that sometimes you just freeze up and you can't do anything, you just become incapable of moving. Sometimes you want to dash out the door as quickly as possible. Sometimes you're there and you realize that you're going to have to start uh, with a bit of a wrestling match. I think this psychological principle, combined with the principles that James gives, actually gives us a strong spiritual practice. And I think that spiritual practice is this. In moments where life stinks, God calls us to often fight, to sometimes flight, and to never fright. Often fight, sometimes flight, never to fright. What does this mean? It means that when we face adversity, when we face the things that just seem overwhelming and ridiculous, we are not people who then cower and walk away. We are people that stand up despite our lack of strength. We understand that there is a God who is bigger and we bring our problems to God, show God to our problems, and we say, this is going to be something I'm going to tackle head on. We never fright, we never stack down, we never think, uh, we never buy into the lie that God is not there and he does not care. We believe truly that God is with us and he's going to be walking through with us during these difficult times. Now I've put sometimes flight there. And why do I put that? Why is there sometimes situations where we should be flying from? I think a good principle to work on here is that if this situation that is in your life is something that's in your control of your own making and going to bring you further away from God, that is probably a situation that you can afford to fly from rather than fight with. Now that sounds really obvious, but how many times? How many times in our lives can it be that there is something that just we know is not good for us and is going to harm us and hurt us and we just decide to keep on digging rather than just to get out? Those moments can take vulnerability. They can take authenticity. But actually, in those times, it's right to flight. Often fight, sometimes flight, never fright. Often flight, sometimes flight, never fright. Here's what I want you to do. Here's the takeaway, as it were. The takeaway is this. The difficult times in your life today may be the most fertile ground for your faith to grow tomorrow. The tasks that you face today may be the most fertile ground in which, you, in which your faith can grow tomorrow. If I were to be so bold, if I were to be so bold and I was to line up everybody here, and the band's going to come back up uh, if they can, if I was to line up everybody here who've had the most um, uh, difficult times on this side, the most uh, hard uh, um, uh, journeys, the most difficult circumstances, and the people who have probably lived the most comfortable. I might be wrong, and there might be some exceptions, but my guess would be it would be the people down this end that would probably have a depth of faith that most people would be jealous of. I would also hazard a guess 
that it's the people down this end who are able to help people down this end in a way that other people just can't. It's their journey, and it's, their, um, it's how they took those tasks as the most fertile ground in which their faith grew and developed. It's how their faith grew and developed. I think we can see this in the life of King David, and I think this links in with the fight and flight thing as well. When you look at the life of King David, he had some big tasks in which he was supposed to fight and some big tasks in which he was supposed to fly from and perhaps failed in as well. Take Goliath, for example. David and Goliath, the kid's story, the magnificent story. It was not in his control. He was not able to do it himself. And it was something in which had to move in order for them to move forward. And yet he trusted God, and you could see how his faith would have grown as a result. And he was able to lead a nation after that event, which perhaps he probably wouldn't have been able to quite as well beforehand. Move forward a little bit further, the other famous story of David, David and Bathsheba, where David failed um, by, uh, we looked at this uh, just last week. It was a time where David, uh, it was a problem of his own making. He could have ran away and it was going to lead him further away from God. In that time, he was supposed to fly. But in the tasks of Goliath tasks, the giants in our lives, it's the tasks that we face today that might be the most fertile ground in which your faith can grow tomorrow. I think this is true as well, not just for us, but the people around us too. Your journey, your task and your fight could be the contributing factor for somebody else's journey that could change the trajectory of their life. It's true. I have four or five people in my life who I'm really grateful for, and their journey doesn't just help them, it helps me. Because I know that when I face certain things in life, I know I can go to them. And I know that if it's something that they faced before, it's going to make it all the easier for me. And if it's something that they're going through that I've faced before, we can do this thing together. The tasks you face today might be the most fertile ground in which your faith can grow. So something I want to do is perhaps maybe a little bit different. It might be a little bit uncomfortable. But as well as praying to God, I also want to bring God to our problems for a moment. And I actually want to ask us if you're willing that we might go for a bit of a declaration for a minute. We might go for a bit of a declaration. If you're somebody of faith or somebody who wants to be someone of faith, I want to invite you to declare some truths now that might help you on your journey. So if you're someone of faith and someone who wants to be of faith, can I invite you to stand? Don't feel uncomfortable if this isn't you. If you're not ready for this or anything like that, don't feel like you do have to stand. Or um, uh, if you're not able, that's fine as well. Or if you just want to stand to blend in, that's also fine. No one's going to check. But what I want to do is I want to put out a bit of a declaration for a moment. And if you agree with this declaration, I want you to agree at the end with a hearty amen. Can we do that? Can we try it for a moment? On three, amen. One, two, three. Amen. That's the one that we want. And so I want to bring out a declaration that we are no longer going to be people who are going to fly away from the issues, but we are going to see these times as fertile ground in which our faith can grow the most. And so I declare that we are now people of the unashamed, that the die has been cast, that we've stepped over the line and we've made the decision. I am a follower of Jesus. I am a follower of Jesus. I'm not going to look back. I'm not going to let up. I'm not going to stand back. I'm not going to slow down. I'm not going to stay still. My past is being redeemed. My present might seem uncertain, but my future is secure. I am no longer in need of preeminence or prosperity, position or promotion, popularity or plaudits. I'm no longer in need to be right, to be recognized, to be rewarded or regarded, because I live by faith. 
and I love by grace and I live by prayer and I long to live by power. My race is clear, my pace is set, my gate is fast. My goal is heaven, my road is narrow, my path might be uneven and my company might be few, but my God is able, my guide is reliable and I'm gonna keep on going. I'm gonna keep on going and I know that my mission is clear. I can no longer be borrowed, I can no longer be bought, I can no longer be compromised or derailed, I can no longer be bought away or turned away, I'm not gonna be deluded or delayed, and I'm no longer gonna stand and uh, be hesitant in the land of sacrifice. I'm no longer gonna be hesitant in the place of adversity. I'm no longer going to go and bargain in the place of my enemy. I'm not gonna ponder in the place of popularity. I'm not going to meander in the maze of mediocrity. I'm not gonna give in, I'm not gonna stop, I'm not gonna fight, I'm gonna keep on praying, I'm gonna keep on praising, and I'm gonna keep on going to God with my problems, and I'm gonna step into the place in which Christ has called me to be. And I'm gonna keep on going with that, and when Christ comes again, until He comes again, I'm gonna keep on working and giving until I drop. I'm gonna keep on resting in His presence. I'm gonna keep on sharing until everybody else knows. I am a follower of Jesus. I'm a follower of Jesus and when Christ comes again and to call me as His own, He's not gonna have any trouble in recognizing me because of His death and because of His resurrection and because I've nailed my colors to the flag for all to see that I am a follower of Jesus. And so when our situations come and they're big, when our big issues come and they're big and they're ginormous and they're difficulty, no longer are they difficult, no longer are we gonna walk away, no longer are we gonna run away, but we are going to become people who go and fight. We're gonna be people who do no longer fly and fright and become incapable. We're gonna get around one another and we are gonna be followers of Jesus, not because we're strong enough, but because we have a God who is strong enough, who is most capable, who is more powerful than we could ever ask or imagine. Amen. Let's see. That's all for this week. Thanks once again for joining us. We'd love to keep the conversation going, so please check us out on social media at Forge Church and check out our website, forgechurch.com, where you can give financially, watch new content, and see any details of events we have going on here at The Forge. See you next week.